Hello there, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist, personal trainer, busy mom, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm a former bodybuilder, and I currently have found a love for endurance sports, but I'm not your typical athlete. I believe there are many more contributors to athletic performance and overall health, and that we as a population might be doing it wrong. You won't see me pounding goose or chicken and rice, but you will see me in the pursuit to fuel not only athletic performance, but also balance it with optimal health. This is not just a podcast for athletes. Many people that fall into the health scene get there for a reason. I found myself in suboptimal states at multiple times in my life, and it has really sparked my passion for metabolic and systemic health. I'm constantly a student of what I love, and now I hope to help others by bringing quality guests to the show to share their opinions and resources to hopefully help you formulate strategies to help you crack your health code. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Guess what? It is amazing, but we are in season three. Can you believe it? I am going to give the podcast a facelift. I haven't had a chance, but at one point we're going to get some new tunes going for you so that you have another song to get stuck in your head besides the one that you've been listening to for the last year. So super excited that we have made it to three years. We're still growing in popularity. I am getting messages from people daily saying how the tiniest things help them change their life. And I hope to continue to do that into the future. So thank you so much for sticking with me for three years. It is so exciting. As far as what's going on around here, not a whole lot. I do want to remind you guys that I do have some openings for full-time coaching. I'm happy to do nutrition consultations as well. So I have a lot of people, they don't want to dive into coaching, but they've had some things going on and they don't quite know what to do about it. And I am happy to set up a coaching consultation with you. We can do just a nutrition consult if you want and look over your lab work, your biomarkers, do some optimization there. So I can do consultation only based things, little appointments where we chat for a half an hour or an hour and we try to get you headed in the right direction and I answer all your questions. Uh, Consultations, monthly coaching, pre-made programs, it's all on my website at www.connienightingale.com. So Today, I am very excited though because I have Deborah Morgan coming on the show. As you guys know, what got me into nutrition is my passion for health in the children's space. I had my own family member that I was trying to help, and so it really got me kickstarted down this huge nutrition journey. And for Deborah, it is about the same kind of thing. Uh, her son was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition when he was just two years old, and she was told that there was very little that could be done, but she refused to give up. She did what everyone told her couldn't be done, and she used diet and natural approaches to dramatically improve his health. So now she's the creator and head revolutionary at the Children's Health Revolution, or excuse me, the Kids Health Revolution, and it is a resource and community for parents of kids with chronic health conditions. I'm really excited to have her joining me on the show where we talk all things kids' health, nutrition, and what we as parents can be doing to help our kids out in every way, especially in a world where I feel like they have a diagnosis for everything now. I mean, you see these ads on Facebook with diagnoses for random things that never even needed a diagnosis. (laughs) I feel like they just tap a couple initials on it and they're like, boom, it's a syndrome or a disorder. Uh, Anyway, enough of that, but I'm super excited to have Deborah on the show. Please don't forget, I am an affiliate for LMNT. Not only do I love their product... (laughs) It is amazing. <laughs> All beyond what my my thoughts are about it. It's an amazing product. I drink it in my water all day long, every day. I use about one packet in a couple of my drinks, so I split it up. It lasts a long time. 
tastes great. If you're a bodybuilder, gives you an epic pump at the gym. If you're doing endurance exercise, it's super great for that too. And the taste is amazing. So if you want to try that out for free, you can head on over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Connie. Get yourself a free sample pack. All you do is pay the shipping. It is delicious and so worth it. And in a couple weeks, they're coming out with a new flavor. I'm really, really excited. I will have a new code for that one, but it's going to be chocolate mint. So you'll be able to get your free chocolate mint sample pack in a couple weeks, which I'm really excited about. And I hope you guys know I do not promote things that I do not believe in. I am not one of those people. That's why you hear me preaching the same things over and over again. I don't pick up a bunch of sponsorships for garbage. I promote quality things. And LMNT is quality. It is made out of elemental magnesium, salt, and sodium, and potassium. And it is amazing. So you guys give it a try. Favorite drink ever. Without me rambling on much further, here is Deborah Morgan. All right, Deborah, I'm super excited to have you joining me. Um, I found you because you and I have similar but different stories. Uh, we both had children that had some diagnoses that we needed to sort out. And I think if anybody has been a listener of my podcast, I have brought it up several times what got me into nutrition and sent me down a crazy nutrition rabbit hole that I'm probably never going to get out of. Uh, it's going to be forever, right? That I'm dealing with it. Probably the same with you. Uh, but nutrition literally not only saved my child's life, it saved my whole family's life, including myself. And so now, uh, I am loving talking to people like you that have similar stories and can kind of attest to how important so many of these factors that are not getting figured in are when it comes to diagnoses with our children. Absolutely. So before we get going too crazy here, I always have my guests tell a little bit of their story and their journey and what got them going in the direction that they're going. Yeah, you bet. So thanks so much for having me on. I love getting to chat with people with the commonalities as well that have been down this, as you call it, the rabbit hole, because it is quite a rabbit hole. And you're right, you'll never get out. But that's okay, because that's a good thing. We don't actually want to get out. Um, so, well, my journey uh, with the nutrition side of things, I've been in the health and wellness industry since I was in my 20s. So I won't tell you how long that was because I don't want to age myself, but it's been a long time. Um, but I had my son and he was diagnosed at the age of two with an autoimmune condition. Uh, and we were told, yeah, nothing you can really do. There's no good treatments for this. You're just going to have to learn to live with it. Yeah, it'll probably get worse, but you know, it's livable. Uh, and that just felt not right to me like here's this little two-year-old and how is it that his immune system is attacking his own body and this is just oh well you know we carry on uh with life so that began my journey down the rabbit hole of of dr google to begin with which can be very uh overwhelming and confusing right a lot of time spent there um a lot of wild goose chases, so to speak, a lot of snake oil. Um, but I started to see a pattern of people talking about autoimmunity and diet and gut health. And so this just sort of started feeling pretty cool to me. I thought, you know what, food is something that I can change. It's something that I have power over as a mom in my home. It's non-invasive. You know, there's no horrible side effects to it. You know, what do I lose by trying it? Nothing. So at the same time, uh, as happenstance would have it, um, I met, uh, I had a new meditation teacher who introduced me to a functional medicine doctor here in Calgary. And the first thing he did 
was put us on uh, the specific carbohydrate diet. So very similar to the GAPS diet, which we were chatting about before. Uh, the direction of it is to heal and seal the gut so that that can help the immune system get better. So uh, I cried in my car for about an hour when I left that appointment, when I learned what we were going to have to do. Uh, but I did it. I went home, ripped off the Band-Aid, threw everything away and jumped in. And a couple of months into it, probably, we started to notice like his immune system was getting better because he used to be that kid that like if he crossed paths with the neighbor down the street and the neighbor sneezed like he had the cold the next day and he'd just get over it and then he'd have another one so as soon as we changed the diet that started to improve and within the year then the autoimmune uh condition actually started to reverse itself uh, and for his privacy i don't say what that particular condition was but uh it there was a physical sign that you could see it reversing itself um so yeah, even my family doctor was like, holy crap, what are you doing? Because this is working and I need to know about it. So that had me absolutely sold. And as you say, uh, you know, my, my whole family, he's an only child, but we all did it because that's the best way to do it. If you're going to do it, the whole family do it. And boy, did my health benefit from it. Like, things that I didn't even realize were really bothering me until they weren't there anymore. And I thought, holy moly, look at that. Do I, and I will never ever go back to the way that we used to eat all the time. Uh, I love every portion of this because it's totally my story, right? I, I remember yeah. driving home and being like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? My husband is going to kill me, blah, 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 yeah. blah, like all these things. And, I, and then I remember coming home and standing at the kitchen island and being like, okay, honey, we're going to do this GAPS diet. And this is why. And he was like, this is going to cost so much money because, you know, food is quality food is expensive. Yeah. And I literally did like you, I ripped off the bandaid. I got rid of everything. I purged my whole house. And when I started reading labels, it blew my mind. What was in stuff. Mm. I had always read them before kind of, you know, yeah. I mostly read the nutrition information, how many carbs, how much protein, all of that. I never really yeah. looked at what was actually in it. The in only it. thing that my brain was really trained to look at was like red number 40 or blue dyes, the rest of right. it, sugar. How about sugar? The rest of it, I had no clue. And sugar has like 10,000 million names for it. I mean, really legitimately. Yes. And, yeah. and I remember telling my husband, we're going to do this. And he's like, how are we going to afford this? And I said, how can we afford not to right on? Yeah. How can we afford not to, because yeah. this is not just a financial thing. There's a lot more to it that we have to afford if we don't. Right on. Yeah. And and if this could be the one thing that's going to make a difference, right? How exactly as you say, how can you, how can you afford not to, how can you not give it a try? Uh, and, you know, I don't know, you know, where you live, but as you say, the consequence down the line, if you end up having to do medications and things like that can be way more expensive over the long term than making the shift in diet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so you brought something very important up there and that was that healing the gut. And mm -hmm. I think that now, obviously my listeners on this podcast, they know that I preach about gut health and how it is related to everything. But can right you on. tell me a little bit of your findings in this journey about gut health? Right. So the big thing that I sort of preach about with the gut health is, uh, one of the main ways that it's linked to kind of everything in the body and in all chronic health conditions is through inflammation. So inflammation is, we know now, even like mainstream science agrees that uh, there is a degree of chronic inflammation in the body when there is any kind of chronic health condition. So one of the main sources of that chronic inflammation will is an unhealthy gut. So that comes from a couple of different places in relation to the gut. One from the microbiome itself. So I don't, you probably have talked to your listeners about, you know, the microbiome and all the little critters that live in there, the little universe that lives inside our intestines. But 
what's fascinating about those critters is that they are actually communicating with our body and having like a two-way conversation with our body. And so when we get an imbalance in those little critters and we have more of the opportunistic and pathogenic species, uh, those guys, it's amazing how intelligent they are. Uh, they are sending signals to the body to create the kind of environment that helps them thrive. Unfortunately, that doesn't help us thrive. So they can send signals to the brain to increase inflammation in the body and in the gut because that helps them to procreate and continue to survive. So that's working against us. Whereas the good guys, the beneficial species, are sending signals to the brain to help bring down inflammation in the body. So that's where, you know, the, the micro balance, you know, one very small, tiny piece of the microbiome balance is so important to inflammatory responses in the body and therefore that chronic health condition. Um, now, the other thing that these guys do is they are extremely important in the digestion of our food. So they help with breaking down our food, but they also keep our intestinal cells healthy. So the cells that line your intestinal tract are a very specialized type of cell. And I call them, um, and in the, I'm writing a book at the moment, in the book I've developed this analogy of these cells, they're called enterocyte cells, as being like bouncers at a nightclub. So they're very selective about who they let out into the body, into the body party, right? So certain molecules with the right look are allowed to pass through, but other molecules that don't look right are held in the intestine and eliminated in the next bowel movement. So that's part of our detoxification, right? Very important for our detoxification. So when we have an imbalance in our microbiome, those bouncers start to get unhealthy and they start to get tired and lazy. And so they're not holding hands as tightly anymore and they don't really care as much anymore about who they let through. So they're letting molecules through that shouldn't be getting into the body party. So little pieces of food that aren't as fully digested as they, as they should be will leak through. And this is part of where food intolerances come from and food allergies, uh, but also viruses and bacteria and fungi and all of the other toxins, things like that, that should be kept in the intestine and eliminated with the bowel movement are allowed to sometimes just leak out. And we have, you've probably talked about this, 70 to 80% of our immune system just sitting around the gut there. So this is like the army now sitting around the party, you know, trying to think, keep things secure and something comes in that it doesn't like and it goes on to red alert. And what that means is it calls the inflammation army in. And that's a good thing in the short term. Like if we have, you know, science is now saying that everybody has a certain degree of leaky gut when we eat something like gluten, like whether you're intolerant or not, it'll cause you to have a, a short period of leaky gut because it increases zonulin in the gut and that opens up the bouncers. And so they'll let some things through. So if that's just every now and then for you and the inflammation comes through and walls it off and surrounds it, and then your lymphatic system and everybody else can get rid of it, then that's good. That's what we want to have happen. But when it's going on day in and day out and day in and day out, that's a lot of inflammation happening. That's an immune system that's overworked and overburdened and a lymphatic system and detoxification system that's also getting overworked and overburdened. So we've got this inflammation going on and we're taxing our other bodily systems while we're doing it. So when we can just go in and do some Fairly simple, even though you and I both cried. <laughs> but when you look at it, you know, from how many things are going on in there, just making a few of the changes that we made to our diet really aren't that big when you see the cascade of effects that it can have in the body. Yeah, it's a huge big picture. And I know you said it took you about a year. For us, it was about <clears throat> 16 months. Now, I'm not going to say that it was 16 months before we saw results, right? Um, yeah. That was not the case, but in order to really heal 
you have to take time. It's not an overnight thing. And so what we didn't need is we didn't need a regression in our progress. Right. And so that's a place where I see so many people go wrong because they're like, Oh, things are like three or four weeks in things are going good. Things getting better. You're getting an improvement and Oh, we're done. Done with the diet. It's, it's, it's over. We're start, we're going back. Yeah. Then you're just totally reversing the progress because it takes time to heal a wound. And, and so if that wound is only partially healed and it's got a big scab on it and you rip that scab off, then all of a sudden you have a big, bloody, nasty wound. And now it has a little bit of a scar on it too. So I think that a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these things take time and they take dedication before you can see a final result. So, uh, that was what I was really fortunate to find you because we were talking about it off, off of the recording here. And there are so many kids now that are being, I I feel like wrongly diagnosed of things, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. they have something underlying going on, but there's one of the big common ones. Now we've got a lot of other things that we're working with as well. Like you were working with autoimmune. There's a lot of that common now, a lot Mm -hmm. of autism and stuff, a lot of neuro behavioral issues. Uh, but in in the scheme of things, one of the major diagnoses and undiagnosed things is ADHD. Yes. Pretty much every kid I know parents are talking to me and they're like, Oh yeah, my kid has ADHD. Yeah. Well, that seems to be this term that is thrown around very lightly these days. Uh, And then all of these kids are taking these medications that down the road are not doing, well, now they're not even doing them a service, but down the road, they're doing them an extreme disservice, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. When a lot of this stuff can be your half of your mood, they call your gut, your second brain. A lot of these things can be remedied if you optimize gut health. Right on. Yes. So true. Um, and you know, as you say, uh, the second brain down there, uh, we think of neurotransmitters. So the chemicals in the brain that, that cause our brains to, to do the things that they do, uh, rather than being produced in the brain, many of them are actually produced in the gut and the production of those are influenced very heavily by the presence of certain certain bacteria in the gut. So having too much of some bacteria uh, can cause us to produce too much serotonin, for example. So serotonin is something we want, but too much of it can make us anxious. <clears throat> My son uh, produces too much dopamine. Uh, So we have to be uh, careful about that balance in the gut because, you know, if it starts to produce too much, then it affects him physically. So there's so much and so many fascinating things that we're we're just starting to really uncover and learn about this universe and, and how important it is. But what's so beautiful about it is we don't need necessarily the fancy doctors to help us figure that out now. It's not to say that sometimes it can't be helpful. Uh, and sometimes even after doing diet, we need to go in with something like some antifungal herbs or some even some pharmaceuticals to help uh, really promote that balance when things have gotten so out of balance. So sometimes that, that approach is necessary, but just as parents, or if it's our own health condition, you know, switching up our diet so that we help to balance that microbiome can help so much with the brain and with focus as well. Um, You know, one of the things that those little critters do in addition to the the neurotransmitters and the inflammation, uh, one of the other neurotransmitters is GABA. So uh, that's a calming neurotransmitter. So it's not like put you to sleep neurotransmitter, but it's that calm sort of Zen focused neurotransmitter. And we know that a lot of kids who have ADHD or anxiety, um, which tend to go hand in hand now, um, they're low in GABA. So again, if we go into the gut and help balance the gut and bring those neurotransmitters back online, how much could we be improving their quality of life without having to use the medication. 
Absolutely. And I want to rewind just a little bit to something you were talking about earlier, which is inflammation. So now they are actually, they have figured out that part of the reason people struggle from many of these disorders, as far as anxiety, depression, ADHD, et cetera, actually are because of inflammation in the brain. So now they are starting to develop antidepressants, anti-anxiety things that actually have an anti-inflammatory in them. But I want to revisit the part where you said uh, anti-inflammatories are actually beneficial. We do need to have and be able to um, or be, have inflammation. Sorry, not anti-inflammatories. We need yeah. to be able to have inflammation. It is important. Yeah. So when you put us on a anti-inflammatory over time, you're also looking at a cascade of events further on down the road that could be problematic. Right. Yes. So, you know, inflammation is our body's natural response to invasion or to healing. So if you, uh, fall down and, uh, scrape open your knee, as my son happens to do quite frequently. Uh, We want to have inflammation coming to the site. Sorry, I'm just moving my position here. Uh, Because that is what helps that area heal. So in terms of healing, we need inflammation, but we want the body to turn it off in a timely manner. Uh, So when you speak of inflammation in the brain, uh, they didn't used to think that you could have inflammation in the brain, but we do know now that that uh, it, it, it can happen and that inflammation in other parts of the body can cross the blood-brain barrier. And again, we can go back to the microbiome in that. When we talk about the, the bouncers and things leaking out, uh, that's called leaky gut, which I'm sure you've talked about, but we can also have leaky brain. And when we have leaky gut, there often can be also leaky brain that goes with it. So this means that, you know, the blood brain barrier is extremely selective. Like if the bouncers in the gut are picky about who they let in, the the blood brain barrier is extremely picky about who's allowed to cross. But when we get uh, increase in zonulin and, and imbalance in the body and chronic inflammation, then that barrier becomes less picky. And so you can have infections and toxins and all kinds of stuff that's able to cross into the blood brain barrier. And what's really interesting about that is that the use of the anti-inflammatories is interesting in, in the way that it has shown us like, Hey, look, there is an inflammatory. If they're responding so well to these anti-inflammatories, then that shows us there is an inflammatory piece to this, which again, in the, in the natural health world is great news because there is so much we can be doing naturally to deal with that inflammation without having to take the anti-inflammatories. Now I'm not, you know, against if somebody is in a dire place, like off camera or off before recording, you and I chatted a little bit about my son being diagnosed with pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric syndrome, uh, which was triggered by Lyme. He was bitten by a tick or some other vector and uh, had Lyme co-infections. And he was in such a terrible place at that point that we threw everything at it, the natural stuff, including the pharmaceutical anti-inflammatories and antibiotics and and all the stuff that we needed to throw at it to get him to a place that was manageable that then we could go and say okay now we can take this out we don't this isn't something we want to be using over the long term it was a put the fire out and then we start to kind of pull back and just carry on with our natural approach Uh, So sometimes that needs to happen, but you're absolutely right. Over the long term, you know, especially with kids, like if we have kids that are dealing with anxiety and OCD and ADHD and sometimes a combination of all of those things, and we put them on meds with anti-inflammatories, we don't know, you know, what's happening for them down the long term, but I can tell you, it'll be something because you don't interfere with one pathway of the body without it affecting something else down the road. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So having been through this, 
how do we as parents start to advocate for our kids? Because that's the hardest part. Uh, there are many qualities to the medical system. However, sometimes we yeah. need to be able to have knowledge and be able to advocate properly for our kids rather than accepting the standard diagnosis. So how do we yeah. as parents do that? Absolutely. That's such a great question. And this is uh, probably, I'm going to say 80% of the work I do with clients is this part right here. And, and this is saying there's hope that there is something that you can do. Uh, you might not be able to cure it or 100% reverse it, but you're going to be able to have an impact on it. So even if you're told there's nothing you can do as I was, there is something that you can do and you have so much power in your own hands as a parent. So the first step is owning that and knowing that you have that power because the medical model that we have is a very disempowering one. You know, we're to bow to the almighty uh, authority of the, of the doctors and what they tell us, uh, which again, the, they have their place, but we also have to know and say, okay, but what else is there? Like, what if I could try some of these things and they could help? And what do you have to lose by giving some of this a shot? So when I work with parents, uh, they'll often say, you know, uh, should I, uh, you know, talk to my doctor and, and tell them we're doing this diet? And I never want to say, you know, don't talk to your doctor, don't say that you're doing something with your doctor, but there is no harm to it. And all your doctor is likely to do is poo-poo it and tell you it's not going to do anything. They'll just, you know, probably make you feel like you're silly for even thinking about it, right? With, with their nutrition degree that they have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's just not part of the training. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of really interesting studies out about the microbiome and the connection to the whole body, including the brain. But you know, your family doctor is not reading all those studies. So for some parents who are really like that sort of warrior mom type, and they, they want to step into that role of educating, you know, they love taking in the studies and showing them. And that's great if that's the path you want to walk, but not everybody wants to do that. For most people, it's just about finding other resources that can help you with the natural approach to it and trusted resources, because as you and I talked about, there's a lot of snake oil out there, right? Uh, so if anybody's promising you the moon and, and a cure, then, you know, be a little bit skeptical about it. But, you know, if you can look at it and see a lot of testimonials, not only for that person that you're looking at, but in general, right? That was important to me that I was seeing not only one uh, dietitian or nutritionist talking about this and saying that, you know, they solved all these people's problems, but that in general on forums and on Facebook forums and things like that, I was seeing people talking about improvements that they saw from it. So, and that's another thing I really recommend to people is connect with other parents who are going through a similar journey and are on a similar path in terms of using diet and natural approaches. So there's lots of stuff on Facebook. I run a community on Facebook, uh, as well as on Patreon. And I'm sure you've got a community going. So there are resources out there to connect with other people. And that is probably one of the biggest things is to know that there's other people who are choosing to do these crazy things. You know, that's what society makes us feel. Right. Uh, to help their kids, right? Yeah. When in reality, it's probably the most sane thing you could do. Right. Right. And that's the thing is it, it, there's the easy way and then there's the right way. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Many of us get caught in the easy way, especially now where we live in this rat race of a society where everything is now, 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 and we're rushing around and we're dropping off kids and we're doing all these crazy things, but there yeah. is the easy way and there is the right way. And we have to think over long-term what is going to get us to the destination unharmed? Right, exactly. Yeah, 
hundred percent. And, you know, one of the other pieces that I would say uh, to parents in terms of advocating for their child, and you spoke about the diagnosis part, uh, the diagnosis, like the name of it, isn't always as important as recognizing some of these root issues that we've been talking about, the chronic inflammation and the gut and the microbiome and bringing balance back to those. And so whether your child has really bad eczema or autism, what you're gonna do is very, very similar. Uh, so the label itself doesn't really matter. It's, it's what's going on deep inside the body. And I learned that the hard way because with my son, I was so focused on the condition, the name of the condition, that that was kind of, giving me blinders to, to being able to see, okay, I need to look underneath that. Like let's dig under that diagnosis and see what we can find. And that's when we started to find the results is when we focused on the deep inner workings of the body rather than the name of the condition specifically. I love everything you just said there. So thank you so much for that. Uh, because it is really the truth. And, and I, I may catch a little bit of hate for saying this, but I see this a lot. Like we talked about, you're seeing more and more diagnoses, eczema being another one of them. Right. Uh, but like, just for example, when I look at society in general, I see children that are the same age as my children and you can almost see the gut problems going on with your naked eye when they're walking around children are not and a lot of a lot of parents are like oh well my my child just a little chubby or they'll say something but if you look closely it's not chubby they are literally bloated Uh, they can't be comfortable I mean I see especially I go to gymnastics I see a lot of these little girls that they cannot be comfortable because their tummies are, have, are under so much pressure. You can see that there's inflammation going on there. Mm -hmm. And it's very concerning to me as a parent that we're seeing more and more and more of this going on and people don't even know how to recognize it. Right. You you know, you're right. Uh, And it, it's almost that it's becoming normalized in a way. Right. And there is a good reason for that. The food industry, wants it to be normalized, right? Uh, You know, my second country uh, is Mexico. My husband is Mexican. So my child is half Mexican and we spend quite a bit of time down there. And they have uh, their second in the world in terms of childhood diabetes. Uh, And the reason is the food industry. Uh, I mean, these poor little kiddos are having Coca-Cola for breakfast uh, because of the marketing behind it and it's cheaper than a bottle of water and so you know we're seeing these kids with the with the diabetes belly uh really young uh so there's bloating absolutely with the microbiome and stuff going on a little bit of wheat belly potentially happening there uh but there's also disruption in glucose glucose metabolism even if they're not diabetic there's Mm -hmm. probably some issues with their glucose metabolism Mm -hmm. and that all comes down to diet Uh, And it doesn't necessarily, those changes don't necessarily even have to be as deep as something like an SCD or GAPS diet, Uh, but just simple things like let's focus on real food uh, instead of, you know, the the processed foods that because of the crazy lifestyle, you know, the let's go to this place and then we got to go here and then, you know, we're so busy that the the convenience of food takes over for for eating real food because there we talked about it at the beginning there's the concept that it's too expensive and too time consuming those are two big hurdles i have to get over with clients when we're when we first start working together it doesn't have to be that time consuming it does require a little bit of practice and planning yeah you're going to have to cook mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's really unless you do some of the meal order things but that's expensive um you're going to have to cook, but you know, 30 minutes in the kitchen of an evening, uh, isn't that bad when you're talking about the, the amazing health benefits that it has for your entire family. So, and then cost, I worked with a gal, uh, recently, and this was really eye opening to me because I was saying, well, you know, I was giving her a list of a few, uh, 
sort of more convenience foods that she could buy like coconut tortillas and some, I don't know if you guys have the unbun brand of like their little buns, they're plant-based, but they're like chia and almond flour and, and all kinds of stuff like, so decent for gut health. Yeah. Uh, and some things like that she wanted to be able to put in her child's lunch kit. So I gave her a few ideas and I said, now, you know, be forewarned, these are not cheap. And she said, well, considering that for a family of four, uh, I probably order like McDonald's or one of these other fast food places through Skip the Dishes for $40 a time. She's like, yeah, I can probably afford it. And I thought to myself, good Lord, for like, I had no idea because this is not something I do, but $40 to get Skip the Dishes from McDonald's. and, And, you know, so if you put it in that context, eating this way is not expensive because there's so many, you know, there's so many things you can do like buying in bulk for your meat and things like that, that make it really affordable. Sorry. I went off on a bit of a tangent no, there. That's, but, yeah. I love it. I love this. This is all very great and very relative to the talk. Uh, and I just kind of want to rewind a little bit on what you were talking about with the childhood diabetes and stuff like that. Many, I think 80% of the U S at least, I'm not sure how it is in Canada and worldwide is metabolically unhealthy and they don't even know it. And that's a part where like when I'm running labs on my clients, for example, we check all sorts of things. We check their fasted insulin, their A1C, their blood glucose. I want to see maybe, maybe their blood glucose is great. Maybe their A1C is hanging in there, but what happens when you notice that their fasted insulin is crazy high? That's a big red flag. That's telling me that their body is having a hard time shuttling blood glucose where it needs to go. And that should not Mm -hmm. be happening. That's a major insulin sensitivity problem. A lot of these things can be caught well before they are actually happening, but the right testing is not being done. We're not filling in that part of the puzzle. Right. But where I'm going with this is I ask many of my clients, I'm like, cause I deal primarily in adults. I don't do anything with children. Um, I deal primarily with adults that have uh, obesity or are trying to lose weight or trying to manage autoimmune things like that through diet. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. the thing about it is, is many of these people, I ask a question in my onboarding questionnaire. I'm like, well, were your parents obese? Mm-hmm. And and most people take that question as, yeah, being overweight runs in the family, right. but, but does it, but does it mm. because they probably learned their cooking habits from their parents who probably also had poor cooking habits. And so mm-hmm. a lot of this is not necessarily a genetic thing. Like the system is making it sound like, right. A lot of this may be the habits that we have inherited over time throughout our childhood. So I have a lot of parents where right now their kids might be skinny and look great and not have any issues. Right. But down the road, what is going to happen when their child is exposed to these garbage foods and these pesticides and all of the sugar, like what is going to happen down the road? And that's what we need to be thinking about because we want to be setting up them up for success. If you are an obese parent or you're struggling with your health in some way, shape or form, you don't want to subject your child to having that happen down the road. So you want to make Mm -hmm. sure that you are setting them up for success young in their young years so that they understand how to nourish their body and feed themselves well. Absolutely. And, you know, the foundation, there's a lot of studies that show the foundation of a child's nutritional health is laid, you know, within those first, I think it's seven years of life. I can't remember the exact age, but, you know, we're really paving the way for what their, you know, future looks like in those first few years of life. And that's not to say that once they're past seven, just forget about it and and feed them whatever, because the point is it's over. But, you know, we're really laying this strong foundation at this early crucial time. And here's the thing about genetics that we don't get told by the system is that there may be some, you know, genetic link in there. But genetics aren't destiny. 
So let's talk about Alzheimer's, for example. You can carry the gene for Alzheimer's, but never develop it. You can also not carry the gene for Alzheimer's, but still develop it. So we are starting to learn through epigenetics that it's more than just the genes that we carry. So as you say, somewhere along the line, something triggers that gene to either turn on or turn off in a way that doesn't work for us. So our environment, our eating habits, you know, the things we put on this, our skin, the air we breathe, you know, what we cook, the pesticides, all of these things contribute to whether these genes are, are working in our favor or, you know, get turned on in a way that works in our favor or against us. So exactly as you're saying, if there tends to be this familial heritage to it, then we want to be doing things that favor those genes in a good way, right? Just like autoimmune, we were told that autoimmune, when my son was first diagnosed with his condition, they said, well, somebody in your family must have it. Well, nobody in our family had that particular autoimmune condition, but autoimmune itself runs way back in our history. So does that tell me that Oh, well, we're just all going to have autoimmune, I guess. <laughs> no, it tells me that there is something in our genetic uh, vulnerability that we need to pay attention to and uh, work with in terms of keeping our environment and our lifestyle and our diets healthy so that those genes aren't turned on, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I love it. So with that being said, the hardest part, and we can dive into this a little further, cause I do have some questions. I want to pick your brain on here. The yeah. hardest part for most parents that is overwhelming is getting their kids to eat nutritious food. Most people are like, well, my kid will not eat that. What is your response yeah. to that? Yeah, absolutely. So this, you know, how I work with people on this really depends on the age of the child. Uh, but I do work with some really extreme picky eaters. And the first thing for parents to understand is that um, the microbiome, we talked about how intelligent it is, it is also very involved in picky eating. So if you have a child who is almost exclusively eating carbohydrates and sweets, it's the microbiome that's driving the bus. That's what's driving the cravings for those foods, because those are the exact foods that are void of any other nutrition, but really high in the sugars, because they all break down into sugar, whether you're feeding them the whole wheat bagel or just the plain white bagel, it all turns into sugar in the gut. And that feeds those opportunistic and pathogenic species. And then they get to multiply. They're having a party in there. The good guys depend on fiber and short chain fatty acids. And if we're not getting any of that in our diet, then they're getting completely starved out. So this really works in favor of the pathogenic species because they're really getting a leg up by driving the craving for only those foods. So sometimes, you know, you can go in even deeper into this and say that, um, the, the, the bacteria, some of the bacteria can actually hijack glucose metabolism and turn it into a morphine-like substance. So gluteomorphins, it's called. And that is just like it sounds. It's a pleasure uh, chemical. It's like giving your child a shot of morphine in some way. It's addictive. And so there is a reason that they continue to go back to those foods all of the time. And so very much like that, your child needs your intervention in order to be able to overcome that. They cannot overcome that by themselves. There's, and, and will not for the rest of their lives, unless there is some sort of intervention uh, into bringing in the stuff that feeds the good guys so that the bad guys can get, you know, brought back into balance. And it's amazing. I've worked with some children who are autistic, uh, who are uh, extreme picky eaters because of the microbiome, but also there's sensory processing issues that are going on there. Uh, and it's not an easy road. 
you know, for those parents, I will say it's a, it's a tough job and you have to be prepared for a couple of weeks, two to three weeks of really hard slugging. But amazingly, when you get through those few weeks, your child will suddenly have expanded food horizons. Like they will eat an apple or they will have a cucumber. And it's like the parents are just blown away. Like, oh my God, like he asked her a cucumber. Well, there's a good reason for that. The good guys are getting enough of a leg up that they're now starting to, to send the messages for the food that supports them, right? So I noticed this in my own life when I made the changes, when I made them with my son. Uh, if I traveled or something and was away from my regular way of eating for a period of time, like my body would start to crave like a big bowl of as many vegetables as I could possibly get my hands on and crave it, like, like crave it like you would crave chocolate cake. Like I had to have it because my, my bugs were saying, okay, all right, we've been okay for a couple of days, but it's time. <laughs> like, give me something I, I need, give me something good. And, and then we're good. So it can happen. These changes over time can happen. So even in the most extreme picky eating situation, making the changes and just being committed and not giving in, that's the real ticket. Because if you give in, then you're lost, right? then your child knows they can work around it. But it just has to be the whole family, right? You can't sit down with one child and say, we're all gonna have burgers and fries and you're gonna have a kale salad <laughs> with some chicken. That's no, that's not gonna work, right? The whole family has to sit down and do it. It's a family change. We're all doing it for everybody's health and we're all gonna feel better, right? And sometimes, you know, we need to use a little bit of ABA therapy with kids, like use a little bit of reward, uh, you know, especially if there's sensory processing issues or there's food avoidance, uh, which can be the case when there's a lot of brain inflammation. So sometimes if we have to, we'll use the processed food as a reward for trying a little bit of the new foods. And then you slowly start to cut back on the reward and increase the expectation of the other foods. And, and we can kind of get it there so that the other stuff is phased out. So sometimes we have to work that way, but you know, it's doable and it's amazing uh, what can happen over time. The younger the easier, obviously, mm -hmm. right? The younger your kids are, it's way easier to start this when they're little than it is when they're like 12 or 13. Yes. And that's something <laughs> that I was going to bring up was there is a, so this is what I've found through, through my experiences with this over the last six to seven years now, um, is that kids like young kids are easy. I mean, yes, the younger, the better. I mean, really. 100%. And they aren't going to starve to death. They will eat eventually. I, I yeah. promise you, you're not hurting them at all by saying, okay, well, this is your food. This is what you get. If they don't want to eat it, that's fine. They'll come back to it. I promise you. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Where the trouble starts to happen is I feel like you get into that 11, 12, 13 stage. We had a little bit of a relapse at that time because you have, a when your child gets into like middle school, there's just a certain amount of teasing that happens over anything, right? Yeah. So you, if you're not a parent that homeschools or something like that, and you have a child in public school, it can be a little bit more difficult because they have access to things that they shouldn't have access to. Now, with my own personal experience, what happened with that is things were not good while that was going down. My child didn't feel good. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't acknowledge it at the time that we had our mm -hmm. little relapse because that was the cool and fun and tasty thing to do. But then he aged a little bit more, got a little more mature and was like, you know what I realized? I ate a bunch of crap and I feel like junk. And then mm. all weekend when I'm home with you and I'm eating good food, I feel great. So 
they start to put those things together. And one thing you have to keep in mind as a parent is you need to give your child the right tools for their toolbox. They may or may not use them, but probably if they have to use a screwdriver down the road, they're going to use that instead of their fingers because you taught them how to use it. Right on. Yes, that's very good. That's that's what I talk about too with the foundation. And <clears throat> I often talk about how I grew up on a farm. So I grew up with mostly home-cooked food. Uh, small town, we didn't have McDonald's or any of this other stuff. So it wasn't until I was in university that I came across this. And so started to eat that way. And then, you know, started to put it together. Hmm, yeah, it doesn't feel so good, right? Was able to go back to that foundation of what I grew up with. So, you know, when we can raise our kids with this idea of home cooked food, uh, I think it serves them when they do go off on their own, they will come back to it. And exactly as you say, when we go through this phase where we don't have the control like we do when they're really little, unless, as you say, you're homeschooling, but when they're going out into the world and we can't be there controlling every little thing, but we can make sure that their, their base is good. So what they're having at home for dinner is good. What they're having at home for breakfast is good. On the weekend, they're getting good, solid, nutrient-dense, gut-healthy food. Uh, so that when they do inevitably, you know, do those little things where they go off track, it's a little hit that the body can take, right? But it's also important learning for them because my son's going through the same thing right now. He's just about 13. He's in grade seven. They go off campus for um, lunch and, you know, after school and they go to, well, we, it's Tim Hortons here is mm -hmm. like the donut and coffee shop. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he's discovered that he can order uh, mint tea with some honey. And so everybody else got their fraps and whatever, and he's got a mint tea with honey, but he's, he probably gets some ribbing about it, but he's been doing this since he was two years old. He's used to it. And he's starting to put together how he feels when he doesn't, because he's had a few occasions where he's gone off and done something else. And it's increased a symptom to the degree that he's uncomfortable enough to say, I'm not sure it's worth it. Right. And that's valuable learning. And it's unfortunate, but it's valuable learning. And God, what, you know, where would I be if I had but not, you know, if I'd maybe learned that earlier in my life, you know, to say, oh, look, that food, like when I eat cheese, I just don't feel good, right? I get all phlegmy and gross. Could it be the cheese? Never thought about it, right? Until I was in my 30s and somebody mentioned it to me and I thought, huh. And I cut it out and I was like, lo and behold, it is that, right? So giving them this idea of how does this feel in my body? Not only food, but everything they do. Like, how does that feel to me? Like if I'm around somebody with lots of perfume, how does that feel to me? Right. Just really starting to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I love that you've brought up multiple times, the things that you put on your skin and the fragrances mm. and stuff, because I actually suffer from severe autoimmune. It's under control now. Um, however, it wasn't always. And for a time I was doing everything with my nutrition, right? I thought I had it figured out. Mm. I had my nutrition, my lifestyle all figured out, but still having problems. What's going on here? Well, then I started to put two and two together and I eliminated all of these crazy things that we absorb through our skin. Yeah. And that was a huge game changer. Huge shows up in my oh. lab work in every way. And it wasn't just wow. a placebo thing. Okay. Yeah. And so I love that you bring that up as well, because I find that so many of the kids things, products that are out there on the market are meant to be fun, right? We've got like cherry flavored raspberry detangler and like bubble bath. And we're just soaking our kids in these chemicals and we don't even realize it. Yes. Yeah. Putting them in a bathtub, letting the pores open up real nice. <laughs> and then, yeah, putting a bunch of chemicals in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we put on our skin is very important. We absorb 
a lot through our skin. You know, you can you can put medication on your skin in a patch, right? So that's got to tell you that your skin's going to ab absorb a lot of what's put on it, right? Hormone therapy is often rubbed on the skin. You know, nicotine patches, things like that. So yes, hello, it, it gets through the skin. So, and that's such a simple thing to change. You know, go to Whole Foods and there's there's lots of stuff that's more natural now. Some of it's greenwash and it's not as natural as it could be, but it's a step in the right direction. Uh, it's better. Uh, I often refer clients to the Environmental Working Group mm -hmm. uh, out of the States. They have a great list of products that are uh, safer in terms of the chemicals that they use in them and they have a rating system and it just makes it so much easier for people to figure out what to buy mm -hmm. um and then cleaning products is a big one uh the, the cleaning products we use are so full of terribly harmful chemicals uh and that's such an easy swap and you get to save money on the cleaning chemicals that you can spend on the organic food so mm -hmm. that's a bonus so you know vinegar and water that's all I use in my house, vinegar, water, and a little bit of uh, essential oil. And mm -hmm. that's really all you need. Yep. I love that. So yep. Deborah, if there was anything that you wanted to get out into the world and tell parents or tell people that could be struggling with having a child with a diagnosis, what, what's the one thing that you would want to get out there? Uh, again, it goes back to that hope piece of knowing that you have incredible power and just in the things that we've talked about in this episode. So eating real food, whole foods, looking at doing gut healing, uh, diets, protocols, cleaning up your environment in your home so that the things that touch your skin and the air you breathe in your home is as clean and organic as it can possibly be. And, and those things on their own are huge they're triggers for autoimmune and for inflammation in the body, diet, chemicals, you know, environment, all of these things. So if we just do the simple things of eating real food, breathing clean air, putting clean products on our skin, getting out into the sunshine, moving our bodies, just the basics, you'll be amazed at, at what you can actually do for your child and for your family. It doesn't take much. I love that you said that because the thing about it is, is we can't ever be perfect, right? We are going to be exposed to things we don't want to be exposed yeah. to. Uh, there are times when things just can't be perfect, but if we control the factors that we can control when we can control them, we are going to be so much further ahead in the game. 100%. And it's, I love that you said that because it is not about uh, fear mongering or becoming a obsessed about everything that you come across having to be 100% natural all the time or it, you know the sky will fall it's about doing what we can do recognizing where we have control and where we need to let go a little bit mm -hmm. um finding that balance it's absolutely findable and just doing that removes so much burden from the body that then it's able to start to find its way back to balance again. I love it. Well, if my listeners want to come find you, where do they do that at? Yeah. So they can find me best place is my website. There's tons more information on my website. I made my website, like you can go there and get all the information you need without having to pay me anything. <laughs> and then if you want to actually dig in and work, then we can do that. So it's kidshealthrevolution.com. Uh, and then I'm on Patreon on Patreon. I'm doing like meal plans and community type stuff. Cause the, what the heck are we going to eat is the biggest question. <laughs> so I want to kind of take that out and show people beautiful pictures of food and all the lovely things they can eat without having to feel so overwhelmed by it all. So that's what that's all about. Well, I absolutely love it. I love what you're doing. I'm hoping that some of the parents listening here will be inspired and come find your stuff. And I certainly appreciate you spending some time with me today. Well, it was awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, friends, I hope you got as much out of that episode as I did. I think it's really important for us as parents 
to realize there are other options and not feel helpless because I understand what it's like to be a parent and to have so many things going on and this could all seem very overwhelming but I promise you it isn't. It can be the biggest game changer in your whole life if you just turn it around and look at it a little bit differently. If you are ever having a struggle with your child or your lifestyle or a diagnosis of some kind, reach out to me. I am happy to offer support because this is something that is near and dear to my heart. Anyway, guys, if you need anything, you can shoot me a message, join my mailing list. I promise I won't spam you. www.connienightingale.com. Also, shoot me a DM on Instagram at ConnieBegani. I would love to hear from you. I would love your feedback. I would love to know what you want to listen to in the future. And more importantly, if you need anything at all, I'm there. I'm there to support you. So anyhow, I will see you guys next episode.